Hello and welcome to the latest GCP short produced by the Global Captive Podcast in partnership with our friends of the podcast. This week we will be hearing from three leading industry players on the evolution of captive utilisation, how the challenges have changed and what the future of captive programmes looks like. I was delighted to be joined by Andrew Bradley, formerly Head of Group Risk Services at Nestle, where he spent 40 years, including 10 years as CEO of their Swiss domiciled captive into Kona Re. Sierra Signorelli, Chief Underwriting Officer for Commercial Insurance at Zurich, and Paul Verman, Head of Captive Services for Zurich in Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, and Latin America. You can find more information on our free guests in the episode description and on globalcaptivepodcast.com. Our conversation began with Andrew Bradley outlining why he believes captives are still as relevant today as they were 10 years ago. I think the fundamental reasons for setting up a captive are still valid today as they were 10 years ago. I believe that they should be part of a a clear long-term risk financing strategy. Obviously, as long as your your management and your company, your CFO, are fully aligned and are prepared to commit to this over a longer period. So I don't think there's much point in setting up a captive to come in and out of the marketplace. There are obviously downsides to doing this and upsides, but I'm convinced that over the long term, a captive risk financing structure makes perfect sense. You need to have a clear objective. And I think, as, as we've all seen, even if there was a, a very soft market over the last 10 years, captives have still grown. And insurance companies aren't charities after all. So if they're making money on, on your business, if you transfer it to insurer, surely if you're transferring that to your own risk financing vehicle, it makes perfect sense. Not only that, you should be having better better data by uh, reinsuring that yourself within your own uh, reinsurance captive. So better premium data, better claims data, better risk evaluation data to help you manage not only the captive, but I would suggest that the information that you can glean from a captive should really help you manage the risk and provide loss prevention services to help you manage that risk far better going forward. As I think I mentioned, the reinsurance captive should be the cornerstone of any risk financing uh, vehicle. But to me, loss prevention is key. It shouldn't just be about taking premiums out of the insurance market. It should be using the captive as a loss prevention vehicle for the future, getting that data to manage it properly and improve the overall risk, thereby improving the risk not only to your own captive, but also to the insurance market for the insurance that you're placing above the captive retention. We should also mention insurance has never prevented a loss. And fundamentally, we really don't want losses. We really want um, insurance to be a second form of defence, not even the first form of defence. That should be loss prevention and preventing uh, losses at all levels. I would suggest that captives can be be used not only for property uh, casualty, but also other lines of business, particularly employee benefits. And this has been a bit of a, a bugbear in the last few years, trying to get captives to take employee benefits within the risk financing vehicle that companies have got. I say, I see no reason why that shouldn't apply because it's no different really from marine, motor or property insurance. Thank, thank you for that, Andrew. I mean, Sierra, from the, from the Zurich uh, perspective, what, why do you see captives as still uh, very relevant today and, and for the next 10 years? 
So at Zurich, we have the pleasure of, to serve around 240 captive customers around the globe. And similar to the rest of the market, we see this portfolio growing. Uh, we see it growing really in two primary areas, one with experienced captive owners who have established expertise, and that expertise allows them to expand the use of their captive either by increasing their share of lines already seated or by assuming new additional lines of business to their captives. We also see growth through mid-sized corporations who'd like to explore alternative risk financing solutions, such as virtual captive solutions. These types of arrangements can be suitable for organizations that want to benefit from alternative risk financing, but don't necessarily have the scale to set up their own captive. I think the point that Andrew made around um, using the captive to improve loss prevention is really important because from an insurer perspective, where we see companies using captive and taking on risk, we see a better alignment of loss mitigation uh, mentality being applied. So yes, based on our experience, I do believe the captain solutions are very relevant today and will stay relevant in the future. Thank you, Sierra. We've heard a lot then about the kind of the positives and the benefits of having a captive, but of course they are they can be sophisticated operations and there can be a lot of challenges that come along with that. So Andrew, in your experience, what, what have been some of the challenges that you've experienced running a captive and, and how did those challenges evolve uh, during your time overseeing a, a sophisticated captive operation? Well when I started with a captive, my hair was was jet black and now it's really grey. So I think there are <laughs> seriously some challenges. I mean it's got more and more difficult, I think, over the past 10 years to run a captive because obviously there are more issues about compliance, BEPs, tax, audit, solvency, investment strategy, solvency. So it isn't necessarily that easy. And I think you really need to have a strategy and a plan as to what you want to put into your captive and in what time frame because to do everything at once, I think, would be quite a challenge. Many years ago, captives were really treated like a a cash box. But in these days, you need the help and assistance of other departments within your company, the tax people, finance people, corporate compliance. There's so many uh, interactions with, with other departments in the uh, in big companies that you really need to form a, a proper team. Added to which, there have been demands to put um, outside board members on your captive. So selecting those board members, including them into the captive board, and even running the captive boards is quite a challenge. I remember the days when it was really done done round a coffee many years ago, and now that this simply isn't isn't the case. It has to be really professional. I think it's good that we've had all these changes forced on us to make our, our industry more more professional. Sometimes it's a challenge with management, and this isn't intended to be rude at all, but I think insurance is such a, a special industry. Other people in the finance area, for example, they don't necessarily understand it. There's a whole education process that needs to be done to make sure that, for example, your treasurer or your CFO really understand what they're getting into. And if they are on your board, you, you regularly get the question, ah, oh, remind me, what's an IBNR again? So it's, it's totally different um, environment to perhaps the companies they're already on the, on, on, on the board with. Also, keeping up to date with the changes can be a real challenge. Also, perhaps your management doesn't get too greedy as well, trying to take more dividends or, or, or more loan backs out of your captive that are necessary. Dealing with the authorities, liaising with them to, to make them understand what it is you're actually trying to do. If you do have changes, if you want to write new business, 
doing the actu actuarial calculations and the exposure data to ensure that the captive can take it. There are no issues with that. I think one of the really, really key things I think we've noticed is the data quality. The more sophisticated your captive gets, you really need quality data. Premiums, claims, exposures are obviously key. How much capital will you need to put in a new line of business? It's, it's become very, very challenging. And I think the systems going forward are going to be key because at the moment, I think they're still very clunky and you don't necessarily get the consistency you need, especially if you look at life and non-life. And I think the, the industry as a whole, insurers, brokers and consultants, really need to take a look at this to see how we can manage more diverse captives in a better, more efficient way. Thank you, Andrew. And Andrew, uh, I think give us a, a nice list there of some of the challenges that we, we currently face in the in the captive market and growing challenges. Sierra, um, how do you how have you seen the challenges evolve? Um, kind of overseen captive operations and, and, and Zurich's interaction with with captive programs. Yeah. So in the transitioning or or the changing market that we currently find ourselves in today. You know, some of the risks can be challenging to ensure at expiring terms or conditions or even finding uh, the, the same capacity that compared to what has historically been available. And so in these cases uh, where coverage is not available or difficult to obtain, captives can become a really useful tool for their owners. A challenge, however, is that this means that the captive owners have to have strong in-house expertise in addition to having a, a trusted insurance partner or partners to help them with their captive risk solutions. So, you know, among other things, I mean, Andrew touched on some of some of the challenges, which are, are similar to some of the challenges that we face as an insurance company, but we look to be there to help support our captive partners to solve complex insurance issues, to ensure the captive programs are globally compliant, and to help provide expertise and technology uh, for servicing, whether that's on the underwriting side, the claims side, with risk engineering, or just across the network uh, to help support captive owners in their international operations. I mean, Andrew, you've you've touched on uh, before some of the common PNC lines that we see written in captives traditionally, and of course, you mentioned employee benefits as well as as a growing line. And we've talked about that a lot on on previous podcast episodes. What other lines of business do you think uh, captives should be or, or could be considering um, underwriting now and, and in the future? I think providing one's management wants to get into other lines of business. Some captives prefer to say simple and stable, but if you really use the the vehicle to its um, full potential. Other lines you could consider are trade credit, pensions, accident, ADRAP, work injury, motor, or even going down the, the idea of looking at what insurance lines within your business would help your customers or clients. For example, my previous employer, we did pet insurance, and that helped the um, pet food industry, perhaps not develop, but it was it, it helped them in, 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 in their part of the business. So I think that it's not only just risk transfer of the main assets and liabilities, but you should perhaps also be looking at uh, other lines of business that might be able to help you. For example, if you, if, you, if you sell telephones, can you do insurance on your telephone? The only issue with some of these other lines of business is trying to find a suitable fronter that is able to service you at a reasonable price in order that you can add these lines of business into, um, 
into your captive. So Sierra, do some of those lines of business sound familiar to you to the kind of uh, inquiries that Zurich receives from captive clients and the kind of uh, other lines of, of say, let's say, non-traditional lines of insurance that captives are considering writing in their programs? Absolutely. So we do talk to companies quite a bit about employee benefits, given that this can be a a pretty significant amount of of business to put through a captive. But we do have conversations across other lines of business, starting to have some conversations about cyber, which is in its infancy and, you know, just starting to make some progress there. We do see pet insurance is one that is interesting, but we do see some of the auto manufacturers selling warranty off the back and putting that through their captives as well. So I think there's lots of ways that uh, captive owners can think about you know, being creative in this space and how it better either creates an improved risk profile, lowers solvency requirements, or helps their business uh, aspirations. Well, I think that's given us a really nice outline of um, what captors can do at the front end and what, what the kind of products they can provide to their parents and the different insurance products they can even provide to their, their parents' kind of affiliate businesses and, and partners as well. But of course, there's also another side of the captive, which is the, the back end to make all of that possible and lots of the reinsurance strategies out there. I'm delighted to say we've got Paul Verman with us as well. So Paul, I'm just interested to know kind of what are some of the common reinsurance strategies that we see captives deploying today? Well, Richard, this is an interesting question, no doubt. In uh, my view, captive owners will choose between two strategies. Firstly, to keep on non-proportional reinsured exposure on net, protected, of course, by single or cross-cross aggregates. Or secondly, captive owners try to benefit from the possibility to access the reinsurance and alternative markets. I personally have observed that a lot of European and Asia-Pacific captive owners are interested to explore arbitrage opportunities with a reinsurance and alternative markets. I have observed three different strategic approaches. Firstly, so-called pricing arbitrage, especially for medium and high access layers between the insurance, the reinsurance, and perhaps between the ILS markets. Secondly, coverage and wording arbitrage, in order to provide tailor-made insurance programs, for example, on new risks, which with with wordings that uh, meets the captive owner's expectation. Hence, the wording of the insurance coverage could be broader than that of the retrocession level behind the captive. In other words, the captive would cover any deviation. Thirdly, capacity arbitrage. Capacity arbitrage, which we have experienced in a few industries. This solution generally requires substantial captive risk retention and attention from counterparty credit risk matters. Another strategic approach uh, with the reinsurance market might be to negotiate long-term and lost portfolio transfer agreements. A few insurers and reinsurers provide also the opportunity for multi-line and multi-year captive balance sheets protections as a retrocession solutions for the captive. Prior to initiating arbitrage strategies, I would recommend to captive owners to perform so-called captive health checks, whereby complex underwriting and actuarial analyses are used in order to explore how much new and additional exposure on gross and on net 
may be appropriate to a customer from an economical point of view, considering the solvency requirements. Fantastic, Paul. And then I guess uh, a nice way to finish this discussion is to look a little bit more into the future in the next five to 10 years. So how do we expect to see reinsurance strategies change? Or do we expect to see different kinds of new strategies come to the market in the next five to 10 years for captives? Well, since captive owners have become over the last two decades, much more experienced in alternative risk instruments, and of course, mature, we have experienced that our captive customers have increased their captive involvement. Currently, they see across their international programs around 80% of 100% of their entire written gross premiums to their captives. Captive customers explore consistently whether they can increase their captive share on a gross and on a net basis. Therefore, I see the captive as a strategic door opener to the reinsurance markets. Furthermore, the holistic view mentioned already by Andrew and Basira will become more popular, no doubt. Various benefits can be achieved by following such a strategy, including underwriting profits, additional risk management insights, optimization of local coverages, and diversification of the entire captive portfolio. And we have experienced that under Solvency 2 in Europe, the highest benefit of the diversification for captives can be achieved by bringing together non-life and life exposure. Another possibility to make additional use of a captive is a development of fronting solutions in order to strengthen the core business of the captive's parent. And I fully agree with Sierra's observation that medium-sized and international operating companies can benefit of virtual captive reinsurance solutions. In this market environment, in particular, I personally anticipate also an increasing interest by large middle market corporates to use alternative risk financing instruments. In this regard, I would like to mention the two surveys of the risk management associations in the UK and Germany carried out beginning of this year, showing that the majority of the members of these associations in UK 65%, in Germany 53%, are exploring alternative risk transfer solutions, including starting to or increasing the use of captives for their 2020 renewables. Finally, the development of range of strategies of captive owners will always be determined by the market environment in order to follow the main goal of a captive, the optimization of the insurance structure for all of their affiliated companies and managing the insurance cycle. Well, thank you to Andrew, Sierra and Paul for a really fascinating 20-minute discussion. And if you want to find out more about our free guests, then please do check the episode description or visit globalcaptivepodcast.com. If you are new to the Global Captive Podcast and not subscribed, then please do so on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from to make sure every latest episode is downloaded straight to your device. Stay safe, stay well and see you next time, Captain. Captives.